This episode of Fermented Adventure the Podcast features the Whip Tavern in Coatesville, Pennsylvania. We had such a fun time sitting down with Casey, Brandon, and Tim and learning about the history of the Whip Tavern. It was a delicious journey with their food, their beer, their cider. Do enjoy this episode and reach out to the Whip Tavern and let them know what you thought about the podcast. Cheers! Hello, ladies and gentlemen, craft spirit enthusiasts, and those interested in the intoxicating world of craft distilleries, cideries, meaderies, wineries, and the occasional foray into breweries. It's Rich Shane, and welcome to Fermented Adventure, the podcast, where we bring you the fascinating people that are making the mash, fermenting, distilling, bottling, pouring, and delivering to you some of the finest libations in the world. Before we get started, here are a few housekeeping items. Thank you for bringing the podcast into wherever you are and whatever you're doing. We truly are grateful that you've chosen to listen and make us part of your day. It would mean the world to us if you left a five-star review. This helps us climb in the rankings and it makes it easier for others to find us. Don't hesitate to leave us your comments as well. If the podcast didn't meet your expectations, tell us why. We're always striving to improve. You can find us at fermentedadventure.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Fermented Adventure. Email us at fermentedadventure at gmail.com. All right, FA Nation, let's meet our guests. We're here in West Marlboro, Pennsylvania, at the Whip Tavern with Tim, Brandon, and KC. I'm Rich Shane. Dawn Ranieri's here, and this is Fermented Adventure, the podcast. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Rich. Thanks for having us. Thanks for coming out. So we're here at the Whip Tavern, and, you know, here in West Marlboro, how did all this get started? Well, it uh, started out of necessity. Uh, I live not too far from here, and for us to go out to dinner uh, as a family, it was always a 15 to 20 minute drive in pretty much every direction, driving to Westchester, driving south into Delaware. And uh, so I knew this market was underserved, um, but also I lost my job. I was a, uh, an IT specialist working for a major brokerage firm in New York City, and in 2003, the market went soft, I was laid off. And uh, a friend of mine and I had always looked at this place kind of being a diamond in the rough. And at that point, it was just a, kind of a, a beat-up little biker bar. And uh, so when I got laid off, we put our heads together and started uh, with some Excel spreadsheets and putting numbers down. And as the story goes, with every bottle of wine, the numbers kept getting better and better. So we uh, put our funds together. I cashed in my 401k and my life insurance, and we bought this little biker bar and turned it into the whip. Now, obviously, you're leaving some things out. Maybe a couple of bottles of wine here to there, but as somebody in IT, did you have any previous restaurant experience? Yes, I. Most of the experience I had was transitory. I was I went to Syracuse University. I started as a bouncer in a bar up there. I am a big guy. I'm six five, two hundred fifty pounds. I have an intimidating presence. Um, I'm intimidated. <laughs> but. Um, that led to waiting tables. That led to becoming a manager. Um, but that was, you know, it, I always wanted to be in the restaurant business. Uh, even growing up, uh, I would look in the refrigerator. I'd put menus together based on what was in the refrigerator. I'd prepare something for my family. and I never knew it was something I could really take seriously. And then once uh, I left Syracuse and I had to get a real job, uh, it, it 
just it pulled me back. Uh, as I said, it was something I always wanted to do, and when this opportunity came up, I dove right in. Talk about the early days of the whip and some of the growth of the restaurant, the menu development, things like that. Uh, well, the whip opened in 2005, uh, so we'll be 18 years old this coming June. Um, when we first started out, we expected to be kind of like a, a dressier version of that biker bar I mentioned earlier. Um, chaps, no chaps, I mean, uh, you come as you are. <laughs> okay. Um, it's the, uh, the bar itself, the building that we're in right now was built in about 1973, but there's always been a building in this location. Um, we know that as early as 1800s, there was a bar here that served as a blacksmith shop and wagonville shop. And as the horseless carriages started taking over the, um, the roads out here, it became a repair shop, a repair shop. And the owner of that repair shop's wife started serving food to the people as they were waiting for the cars to be done. And that became this little um, uh, dirt road kind of hangout for people to come and get pies and, and sandwiches and things like that. And it morphed into what is now the whip. Never crossed our minds that this was going to become a premier destination restaurant in Chester County. It was just supposed to be something that. People would just come to, uh, you know, to put something good in their, in their bellies and, and go about their day. But um, it's gotten to the point now where we're serving 200 meals on a, on a Saturday night, um, 200 meals on a Sunday for brunch. Um, it's exploded. Um, but at the same time, I think we've, we've managed to, to keep the personality of the original Whip, uh, the quiet little country pub that it was supposed to be, it still has that character, um, and it still has the um, um, the charm. We're here on a Wednesday, and this place is packed, and, you know, people are still coming in. And that's really a nice compliment to all that you're doing and the legacy that you're, you know, you've created here. So, Tim, for you, you know, you're the executive chef here. Talk about you know, your role and just some of the fundamental menus and recipes and, and where you're taking, you know, the menu for the guests when they come in. Well, uh, the main thing here is we try to cook with as much local product as possible. Um, if you have a burger here, there isn't a single burger that you can have here that the farmer didn't deliver himself on the back of his own car. Um, tonight we'll have a bison burger on and literally the, the farm's over the hill. You know, I was thinking about that as we drove here and passed some of those cows. Uh And I'm thinking, that looks delicious. And now it's possible that that could be my dinner. It definitely could. Excellent. Um, We try to keep the the, the four British uh, items intact. The fish and chips, uh, shepherd's pie. Um, Shepherd's pie is also a local product. Um, Our lamb guy delivers lamb twice a week because it's such a popular uh, item. Um, we uh, have a nice cheese plate that we'll be trying later. Uh, the farm for that is literally across the street. Um, all the cows that we saw over there are producing the milk. Does have goat and uh, sheep over there. Um, so can't get any more local than that. Uh, what else can I say? Um, we try to change with the seasons with the menu. Um, I'm not tethered to too many menu items. I do try to keep a few things going. Um, but all in all, it's just I get to have fun. Um, we get to get to create new things whenever we want and rotate it as much as possible. For this restaurant, how did you land on a, like, let's say an English pub style menu 
given like let's say that biker bar theme or somebody just selling sandwiches out of a repair shop how did it develop to that English style pub style recipe uh, and menu it's mostly to do with where we are right now um the area of Southern Chester County where the whip is located used to be part of the King Ranch out of Texas. They bought 14,000 acres up here and they would ship the cattle directly up from Texas to get a fat on this beautiful green grass that we have growing up here. And then they would ship them to market from here. So when the King Ranch shut down in the 1970s, the property was sold in large chunks and preserved as open space. Uh, so as you drive around here, the feel is very English. Uh, the only thing missing is the, the stone walls and the sides of the roads. It just feels like you're in the uh, middle of England. And, but there's also the equestrian tradition out here. There's polo, there's fox hunting, there's um, a lot of equestrian events. And because of that, a lot of equestrians. Um, so that, that English tradition of horse riding, you can see from all the paintings that we have around here, it, it we do represent that as well. So, um, that's um, really why we, we stuck with that. Um, and it's the charm of the place. Again, going back to the, when you're driving around a road in England, you would expect to find the whip on a corner in the middle of nowhere. So it all works that way. It works great. I, I love the immersion and, you know, the way you describe Chester County and the mindset that this is very English. So for those that are either in the Delaware Valley area or in Chester County themselves, that may be the first time somebody's explaining that to them or they're like, oh, I knew that all the time. You know, so I, I kind of have a sense of that's what the feeling is and that's why they, they gravitated out here. So for Brandon, for you, talk about your role at the WIP and uh, what your responsibilities are. So my role is uh, I'm the general manager, but for me... It's a little place like home because when Casey was talking about the micro bar that it was during the 70s, 80s, and 90s, my grandmother actually worked in the kitchen. Oh, I grew up in the little village of Springdale right here and never made it too far away. Um, so I remember sitting on a bar stool watching Casey's Buffalo Bills lose four straight Super Bowls in the 90s, long before the whip was ever even thought of. I spent a lot of years in hospitality, but there's just something about when our guests come to the whip, they feel like it's their second home. We see our guests multiple times a week. We know them by name. We know what they're drinking. And it's just a fun spot to say you're going to work every day in the pub-like uh, atmosphere that Casey's developed. Growing up here and this being your home, essentially, what influences do you impart in the restaurant? You know, where, where can we say that's, you know, that's Brandon's, you know, thumbprint on that? Anytime someone is lost and looking for directions, I'm the guy you're going to go to. <laughs> Knowing all the little side roads, little local roads. But for me, you know, I started as a server here 13 years ago, grew into management over time. And, you know, between the chefs that I've worked with, and KC. I worked in a pizza shop when I first started. So coming here was a bit of a, was overwhelming with the amount of beers that they had and the knowledge that needs to go into working for the whip. But everyone here just treats you like family. You literally just want to show up and do your best to be part of the team that's been created here. Now you do, over the course of a month or the course of a year, you do some special events here or you have some core signature events. Talk about those. So, you know, any British holiday, whether it's Burns Night, Sky Folks Day, we'll always have something special on the menu. But it also ties into the European sports. So rugby, right now, the Six Nation tournament is going on on Saturdays and Sundays in February and March. We've got a bunch of all expats coming in, 
sit back and have a Guinness at 11 o'clock in the morning and just watch rugby and feel like they're at home. You know, holidays are extreme here for us. Mother's Day, Father's Day, Easter. Because of the rugby? Just because people were such a destination, you know, since we've grown so much over the years and we're such a well-known restaurant, that this is where you want to come for your holidays. And then as we get into the summertime, we have a wonderful patio outside. That'll be the prettiest in Chester County. We've won lots of awards for best patio in the area. So it just makes people even want to come out here even more, even though, like you said, we're in the middle of nowhere. All right. You mentioned two specific days. You said a Burns night. Uh-huh. And what was the other one? Uh, the Guy Fawkes Day. Guy Fawkes. So explain those a little bit more in detail, and maybe we can talk about the menus that are prepared Absolutely. for that. So Burns night we just had last month. Uh, he is Scott's, Scotland's favorite son. He is a poet from Scotland. And whenever the night comes up, we serve haggis, like we were talking about earlier. So Tim can roll you through what haggis is for those that don't know. Oh, haggis. Haggis is a wonderful thing, let me tell you. Um, so the haggis that we do here um, is a bagless haggis, because I don't want to mess with this cheap stomach and stuff. Um, but it's all local organs from lamb. Um, you know what? I'm creating a t-shirt from you, for you guys. And it's going to say, I like my haggis bagless. <laughs> At the whip. <laughs> that would be good. Um, when I first started here, I didn't think it was going to sell that well. I thought that they were joking when they first said, oh, yeah, but we also serve haggis. If there's a fifth weekend in any month, we sell, we sell haggis. Um, I thought they were joking. Um, but we made it the first time and did not like it at all. We made it the second time, didn't like it at all. But since then, we've been tweaking a little bit every time we make it. And I'm not going to tell you it's my favorite thing in the world, but it's very tasty. So this is what you would serve for a Burns night. Are there any other items or the fifth weekend of that month? Are there any other special menu items or dishes people can expect for those special nights? So we have four rotating, in addition to the fifth weekend for Haggis, we have four rotating weekend features that are ever so popular. The first weekend of every month, first Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we serve roast beef and Yorkshire pudding, which is a traditional British dish. It's going to be our... Our beef with garlic with potatoes, green beans, a little au jus with the Yorkie pie right on top and a little side of horseradish cream. Second weekend of the month, we do the seafood version of luxury pie. So that's a medley of seafood and a shrimp and brandy cream sauce. Pile with potatoes right on top and bake it in the oven until it's golden brown. Third weekend, since Chef Tim came along, we have so much local game. So we vary it every month. It could be, you know, a lamb rack from Macaulay Suffolk's farm up in Ackland. It could be something from down in Texas, like a wild boar rack. It could be a duck breast over something that ties into the English theme. But our our most popular weekend by far is our fourth weekend. We serve beef wellington, traditional style. That's the filet wrapped in the puff pastry, baked in the oven until it's golden brown. And there's nothing better on our menu than our beef wellington. All right, you just... Um I need a bit because my mouth is watering. That sounds delicious. Don't worry, Rich. Food coming soon. Food coming soon. I keep, I keep hearing that. For, for, you know, as you've been here, KC, for as long as you have, and this is your hometown, you were on the bar, and Tim, you, you've been a staple in restaurants and this one for a long time. What keeps you motivated? What gets you guys out of bed every day? For me, it's the customers. You know, our customers have learned to love here just as much as the staff as we learn to love it. But like I said, showing up is never a challenge. Every day is fun. Every day is fast-paced. Every day is different. So you're never going through that same grind like you do in some restaurants. Well, for me, the customers are important, but uh, I've got a really good team. I've got a bunch of young guys who are just hungry and wanting to learn. Um, 
and it's just easy to come into work every day and work with them. You know, we're putting out good food. Um, I get to teach them different things. Uh, they push me a little bit, wanting to try things that maybe I haven't done before. So it, it's a lot of fun there. How about for you, Casey? I mean, this is uh, 18 years and counting. What what kind of gets you throwing the covers off? It's still there's a lot of excitement to it. Um, as Brandon mentioned, it's it's different every day. Um, there is a certain level of chaos in this industry. You're always operating on the edge, and that there is a lot of excitement in that. One misstep, one wrong thing can just throw the entire day or the evening into into just a, a pit. You're a dark place, and you got to struggle. You got to fight your way out of it, and that's part of the excitement of it. And that's I think what energizes me every day. You have to have a certain mindset. Number one, to work in this industry. Number two to own your own establishment in this industry, especially as we've come through the last couple of years of COVID with, hey, how are we changing the seating? How are we changing menus to QR codes? Do we have glassware for tonight? Who's not coming in? Do we even have enough people anymore? How are some of the, for, for you, Casey, I mean, as an owner, how have you worked through some of that to where we are now? I think the biggest thing we've learned coming out of COVID is doing more with less. Um, we have supply chain issues, so we're constantly struggling to find just ridiculous items, cornstarch or uh, doilies or french fries. And it's very random. Uh, I needed time last night. I went to the supermarket to buy time. There's no time on the shelves whatsoever. Fresh or... All right, fresh. next time we're coming out, I have cornstarch and I have time. I could have helped you out. We, not the amounts that we go through, though. <laughs> um, uh, so it, it's not only the supply chain issues, but everyone's struggling with, with labor. Um, and it's, it stresses everybody. And especially during COVID, we might be ready to go and, and uh, about to unlock the door, and somebody will call up and say, I just tested bottom. So now you're down a, a, you know, a set of hands. Um, what can we serve some days is, you know, what can't we serve just because we don't have a key ingredient? What, you know, how are we going to get through dinner service if we've got a bartender and a server or a bartender and a, and a, and a dishwasher on? Um, and we did a lot of improvisation and, and made it through. As you adapt, as you overcome, as you improvise, when you look out on your restaurant today and see this based on what you've come through, how does that make you feel? Extraordinarily proud, especially proud of my staff um, and, and sticking with me and sticking with this concept through the entire thing. It was a very bumpy road. It was a very um, unpredictable road. Uh, lots of twists and turns. And we lost a lot of businesses, um, not locally, but in, in, the, in the restaurant industry. We have a very good friend who had lost uh, three restaurants in California because of COVID. Um, and the fact that we're still here, the fact that we're still as busy as we've ever been, if not busier, is a testament to what what my guys and my, I call them my children, what they've been able to do. That's tremendous. And I understand this little tavern has a very interesting and unique beer program, and you also have your own cider. So why don't we take a break? We'll come back. And we'll talk through and taste some of those items. How's that? And I hear there's cheese on the menu somewhere. Yes, sir. All right. Thanks, Tim. See you soon. 
Pardon the interruption. If you like what you hear, if you love what you're hearing, please share the podcast. Please take a screenshot of the podcast, post it on your social media, tag us, just to let everybody else know about Fermented Adventure, the podcast. We'd be grateful for your help to grow our podcast. We're back. Okay. I'm just, my mouth was watering before, Tim, but, you know, literally, I've got a bucket underneath me now. And we've got a beer. We've got a cider here. We've got some mustard. Casey brought that over here. I can't wait to dive in and, and talk about this. This is a beautiful cheese platter. And you've got the scotch eggs. Scotch eggs, yes. Scotch eggs. And I love, how did you know? Like, scotch eggs. I love scotch eggs. Everybody loves scotch eggs. It's one of our most popular appetizers. Now, again, for Dawn and I, this is how we would share a fermented adventure. You know, we the cider, we've got some beer, and then maybe a little small plate. So you got us dialed in. We really appreciate that. Talk about which should we do, cider or beer first, or scotch eggs? What do you think we should do? Well, or just cheese? Like when everyone else comes to the pub, the first thing they always start with is a scotch egg. So I figured we'd start off there. Uh, chef's going to walk you through the scotch egg, and I'm going to let you know what we paired it with today. Uh, so we have brown pork that we wrap around a hard-boiled egg, um, wrap it in some panko, um, deep-fry it um, so it's crispy and golden. Um, I definitely recommend the English mustard with it, um, especially with the beer we're going to have with it, which is the Old Speckled Pig. The Old Speckled Pig? Old Speckled Head. Bold nuts. I was even closer, and I haven't even started drinking. <laughs> All right. Now, Rich, you got to get a little mustard, but it goes I'm, a long way. I'm getting. A, so did I do okay on the tip there? To it. All right. Did I do okay? <laughs> so I don't want to talk because I don't want to mess up the happiness going on in my mouth right now. Now, I will tell. And again, this isn't just because of the podcast. You know, this might be the best scotch egg I've ever had. Well, thank you. I appreciate and that. why I love it is. I love the creaminess of the yolk. Mm-hmm. It's not overdone. I get the pork in that, but anytime I think we've had a scotch egg, one of the disappointments I've been is that crust either is soggy, it's not crunchy, or it falls apart even before you get that. Like you cut these, are all coated. Is there a secret that you can share with the world to make sure that more people are making these right? Let's not even tell them. Let's have them come here and get the right yeah. one, right? Yeah, you just have to have the right cooks in the right places, make a delicious food. So I'll tell you one nice thing about these Scotch eggs. Our, we, like Chef was saying, we try and source everything as local as possible. We get some of our ground pork from the people down the street from us that create Scrapple, Franks. So we know literally four miles down 841, that's where that sauce is coming from today. It's so wonderfully seasoned. I get some sage in there. Mm-hmm. That really comes out. That's tremendous. And I, like I said, we've got four more here. You got a little bit of uh, greens that make a nice little platter. What beer would you pair with that? So today we're pairing it with Moreland's Old Speckled Head. Figured we'd start with something a little on the lighter side. So Moreland's is a three and a half percent, very mild English pale ale. It's going to have that same mouthfeel as Guinness to it, though. It's all nitrogen, so it's a nice creaminess to it. It's going to have a touch of fruitiness. A nice malt balance, and you'll feel a little bit of bitterness as you finish it up. That malt, I really love. Just, I still have the scotch egg still working its way through in my mouth. So that malt, the way you paired this, is just perfect. 
and this is a great beer for when they do come to watch the rugby, the you know the football matches, because you can have a few of them. You know, it's not like nowadays in the seven, eight, nine percent IPAs. We're talking something British style, so highly drinkable, where you're still getting that great flavor. I do love that maltiness that really punches through. You, you almost and as you described it, you're almost expecting the ABV to to come up a little higher. But it just settles in very comfortably. Very, it really does. Very good. It really does. You know, you, you, you've talked about a lot of these sports, you know, the, the English sports that are out today. And, you know, as, as Americans, you know, how are you adapting and, and, you know, rooting? Who do you root for when you see them on the, the telly? And, uh, you, you know, we're not used to that being the American sport. But there's some really cool things. And. You know, rugby, as you said, the, the 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 championships, the tournaments are going on. You've got you've got um, horse racing on, and I'm I'm seeing stuff from Tampa Downs, Tampa Bay Downs. How do you adapt to that as as Americans and just watching these expats, as you said, come in? Well, first and foremost, you always root for England at the whip. Um, you'll get a mixture of Irish crowd, Scottish crowd, the English crowd, and they, they honestly love watching sports together. You know, we over the years we had done Six Nations, which is like in February and March, and this place would be packed with expats chanting, singing, drinking, doing it all over again from eight in the morning until three in the afternoon. For for football, I mean, we each have our own favorite. Chef likes Tottenham. I'm more of a Man City guy myself, but you know, growing up in this area, horse racing has always been a part of it. Like Casey said, with the land being protected out here. And we'll get to how our buying a pint of our cider helps do that here in just a short second. You'll never see housing neighborhoods, so it's always been horse fields and farms for as long as I can remember. The enjoyment of this conversation, learning more about your interest in these sports, it's almost like, hey, we're having this conversation over a pint. This beer specifically just really brings in so many levels. And there's the fruitiness that you described, that bitterness at the end. It's very drinkable, very easy to enjoy. Talk about some of the other beers. I know when Casey and I were talking, there's some, some beers you're getting out of some breweries across even the United States that you're finding here that most places aren't even getting. So talk about the beer program or some of those that you're that you're getting here. So during the pandemic, where a lot of restaurants were struggling to bring in as much beer, the Whip had such a loyal following of customers coming and getting takeout, which allowed us to continue buying and continue buying and build ourselves up. So we now get, you know, the Pine of the Elder or the Pine of the Younger from Russian River, or we get the Goose Island Bourbon County Stout, or today we're going to try the Bourbon County Stout from, with coffee out of Chicago, where a few limited kegs are only sent to our region to be distributed, and we're always at the top of that list where, do we want it? Yes, the answer always is. Regarding what you're drinking now, it's uh, Moreland's Old Speckled Hen. We are the number one purchaser through 31st and Wharton, and number three in the United States of America for consumption in this little tiny pub. So it's pretty awesome that a 42-seat restaurant can be number three in the U.S. when it comes to selling certain kinds of beer. That's high praise, and that's high praise to the following KC that just as an idea as an IT guy, I'm going to buy a biker bar. And what leads to that is, hey, these breweries are recognizing you for your consumption. The guests and the patrons here are saying, look, if you're going to have it, 
and you have it on the menu, we're going to make sure we keep coming here and enjoying our time here. And I can see why. Like, this is wonderful. The beer, the eggs. What do we move until next? Well, it's time to move to our most local product from right across the street at the farm at Doe Run. Is our Doe Run Farms cheese board. Don't put those eggs too far away. <laughs> <laughs> Chef, you want to walk right through what we got on the plate today? All right, so we have spice, spice pecans. Uh, this is uh, local honey for malts, Mombasa honey. Um, Big fans of them, by the way. Yeah, and they supply, they supply Duck Butts Meadery and some of the other local meaderies with their honey, too. So um, shout out to Duck Butts while we're here. <laughs> um, this cheese here is the Black Swallowtail. Uh, this is the Hummingbird. And then the Seven Sisters, which is the flagship for Go Run Farms across the street. This is the first time that Dawn and I are doing cheese on the podcast. Okay. So, again, this is like the fun part about... Or Rich is doing cheese because I don't have cheese. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rich will do cheese. Dawn will be here and she'll support me on my cheese uh, efforts. But it's fun because this is, this is where we end up. We never know what that adventure and where it's going to take us. So... How should we uh, how should we go about trying these cheese? And these are so local cheese. These are fresh. Absolutely, Mike. It's a stone's throw across the street. Um, I say we try it with this uh, for Fox Sake Cider, uh, which is our own cider. Um, and uh, we just got dropped off a little haggis for you to try. <laughs> Love you. Rich, I'm gonna pop that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Dawn try that first. And then <laughs> <laughs> So, for Fox's sake, is the cider, right? All right, how should we go about this? You're, you're a tour guide. Where should we go? So, let's talk about how we got to for Fox's sake. So, as a pub, when I first started working here, and first, when Casey first opened, we sold Strongbow Cider, which is English cider. Very excellent dry cider. And then seven years ago? Might be longer, might be eight or nine years ago. A little less than a decade ago, Strongbow changed their cider from a dry cider to more of a sweet cider to try, just and, yep, to try and compete with the Angry Orchards and everything else out there. Um, we had we knew our customers. We knew that they loved the cider we had. So Casey literally tried southeastern Pennsylvania wineries, cideries, anywhere to try and find a comparable fit to what the pub was looking for. And we were lucky enough to meet Troy from Big Hill Cider Works out in Gardner's PA, who was able to develop something a little off of his traditional standard cider that fits perfectly for what we were trying to do with it. Um, part of, like I was saying earlier, part of every pint that we sell out here, Casey donates 50 cents back to the Conservancy to protect the land. So the way you see the land out here today, it'll look like that in 10 years still, 20 years still, 30 years still as it gets renewed for 99-year leases at a time. So now, it's really for the fox's sake that you keep drinking that, Rich, because you're protecting the land. I'm protecting the land. I'm protecting the foxes. Exactly. I love that. On this cider, I mean, kind of KC, you, you did a lot of traveling around to come up with this flavor profile that may have been associated more with something more of a drier cider. But as you were coming together with Big Hill, what were some of those nose or flavor profiles that you were thinking about creating? It was more along the lines of trying to create something that was, um, we wanted off-dry. Um, we wanted um, a light effervescence, nothing too bubbly. And um, I wanted something that almost had like a Chardonnay character to it. Um, and that's what we were developed with Troy. Troy was known for using champagne yeast 
and his ciders, which gives it that lightness. All right, so we just came from CiderCon in Chicago. That's where we were last week. And sadly, we didn't make it to Goose Island to check out some of those beers, but we drank a lot of cider. And we're big fans of Big Hill Cider Works, too, and what they're doing. I can understand and see where this fits with an English-style cider and fits very well into the pub style of cider. We've been to London, so we've had a little bit of cider, and I could see, again, sitting down with a couple of these. Um, the ABV is not high, so I can have a couple. There's a little bit of brightness on the nose. There's there's nice citrus to it. The apple definitely comes through, and as you pointed out, Casey, with that champagne you definitely get the characteristics of, of a cider with a champagne So this is, again, this is delicious. Now I know why everybody's flocking here for all these events. This is wonderful. You know, and if you're if you're not, a, if you're looking for something a little sweeter or a little drier, we have a fantastic cider menu. You know, we carry the Magner's Apple and Pears. We carry the organic cider from Samuel Smith. We carry whatever the seasonal flavor is from down east or, you know, other craft breweries that are out there right now. So cider is really, you know, from when I first started working here, the cider industry has just boomed, boomed, especially in the last five to seven years out here. Our liquor license uh, does not allow us to serve anything other than fermented um, uh, beverages, so beer and cider only. And because of that, when people walk in um, and they ask for a glass of wine, they're not beer drinkers, we can offer them this. Gets that person something in their hand that if they're not a beer drinker, they can really enjoy. We did our podcast discussion last night as a recap of CiderCon. And it's perfect that you introduced this to us. And one of the questions I posed to where the cider industry is now is, why not cider? Why aren't you drinking cider? And part of, for Dawn and the conversation we had was, I think it comes from you as a place that offers cider that you are either educating your customers or influencing your customers. And you're able to pair these for Tim for what you're doing with things that are very comparable, that that flavor of the food and the flavor of the cider cider will really marry well. It's a complex question, but how do you find that you're introducing cider to your customer? Because people know beer. Like Casey was saying, you know, I think for us, it ties in with, you know, having the tavern license only. So when someone comes in, it's like, oh, I'm looking for a nice glass of Chardonnay. You know, this is a perfect, perfect balance for someone that's, you know, might have been looking for something in one way, but ended up going a different avenue, and now maybe found something that they love will bring them back to the world. You know, having it be off-dry, it, it just is comparable to so many different dishes we have on our menu as well. So it's not that sweet forward, or it's not that completely champagne feeling. It's the balance of it that really makes everyone fall in love with the for I would say my impression is more towards not a sweet Riesling, but more of a Riesling of the style that's going to be a little more dry on, on a Riesling profile. That's just me. Um, but it's delicious. And I'm glad that if you're buying this, you're now saving some fox and some land. So that's always good. Tim, now that we have our cider, where are we going with some of this cheese? All right. I always suggest you start with the uh, Seven Sisters. 
um, he's giving me a fork and a knife, and I don't know why. <laughs> just pick it up, Rich. Just pick it up. We're in the country. I know. All right. Take a picture. All right. Seven Sisters is which one? This one right here. So All right. I'm, I'm going to be refined, and I'm taking my cheese with a fork and a knife. Cut a little piece for me. All right. Dawn's going to eat cheese. My <laughs> Dawn left the podcast. I love cheese. It just goes out. <laughs> so right. this was their first cheese. This is their flagship cheese. Okay. Seven Sisters is the name of it. Gonna get it right. the original yeah. seven cows that they had on the farm. Oh, really? I love that story. There's so much behind everything. There's so much behind the wit. There's so much behind Seven Sisters and cheese and beer and cider. It's not like you're just drinking and eating something. There's a story. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. And, you know, one of the cool parts about the pub is, you know, you can come here for your best night out or you can come here as soon as you get off work. So a lot of the people that work across the street at the Farmer Joe Run regularly come here at 12 o'clock. They have their lunch with us and then head back out to the fields to finish up their day. So you're their commissary. That's the best way to put it, Rich. I haven't heard it that way, but I like it. Now, I tried some of this cheese. I love the saltiness and the creaminess. It almost is if it's a little harder, but it comes off softer. Does that make sense? Again, we've nearly we've never really done cheese on the podcast. Dawn, what do you think? <laughs> what do you want to move along to next, Chef? Well, I, I, I wanted to say, I mean, the nice thing is, as that cheese and the creaminess and the brininess and the, the saltiness, those bursts of salt crystals. Again, I, I'm curious. I was curious just to see how the cider would kind of play in. And some of that brings out, I think, more of the apple character of the cider. I can almost get... There's, this isn't a very tannic cider. It's not very acidic. There's a brightness to it. There's What I think this cheese does is it brings out more of the citrus notes to this, this cider. So for our next cheese, we'll go to the Hummingbird. It's a softer-style cheese. This one is made with sheep's and cow's milk. See, I love, I love cheese. I love the style of everything you put together here. And it's funny because I guess for me, as a pub, this wouldn't have been my first thought. But I guess it fits so well with the countryside and the area we're living in and the ability to highlight something so close by. This is... Wow. Where have you been on my leg? Cheese and whip and there's still haggis. I don't know. <laughs> All right, we're rich. Come back any day except Tuesday. Okay. Because you're closed on Tuesday. The last one here is uh, the Black Swallowtail. Now, you put honey here. You put a little bit of these um, these these um, toasted uh, pieces of bread. And you, is there anything we should be uh You can do it any way you like. I always recommend trying the cheese by itself first. And then going and, and then doing going with all the, the extra stuff. Okay. Because as you try the extra stuff, it's actually going to play with the cider different. Gotcha. Maybe I'm going to do the cider after that last one. Maybe bring out different notes that you didn't see there before. Casey, what's, you know, again, you see this menu and what's going on around you. What are your overall impressions as you've seen the food scene here and the, the beer and cider scene grow in this area from when you started? When we first opened up the, the, the gastro pub concept was just taking off. Um, we didn't necessarily think that's what we were or that wasn't something that we actually researched. Um, 
and we knew that we were going to, um, I don't want to say have an issue attracting customers because of our beer-only license, but um, it was going to be a struggle for us, but we made the best of it. We went from um, a, a very, very modest beer menu to thinking we probably have one of the most robust beer menus in, in, the, in the county, at least. Um, and it's also, it's a, it's a very dynamic menu. We're constantly getting new beers and, and searching out new breweries. Um, to the point that, we're, as Brandon pointed out earlier, the, the distributors are coming to us first and saying, hey, the WIP is a premier beer destination. We've got to have these beers on it. Um, and the same thing has happened with our, our food menu. Um, as the WIP has grown and grown older, um, it's also matured, just like a child would. Um, and we have, I don't want to say refined is the wrong word. I don't want the, the, the context of that to be mistaken, but we've really nailed our menu down. Um, and we've taken advantage of uh, different cooking processes, including sous vide and, and Tim's knowledge in the kitchen has just really allowed us to to produce some spectacular food. I just like, like leaving stuff there. <laughs> so I'll let that flip. <laughs> what I found from that last cheese that we just tried, and then complimenting it with your pecans, was that it really brought the effervescence. It's, it's so much fun to take a little cheese, try a little cider, and, and see how it brings out the character, not only of the cider, but the cheese as well as, as that. Great on you guys for what you're doing here. And the last one, so this says they're Black Swallow, which is they just won first place at the Pennsylvania Farm Show three weeks ago for this one. We're very proud to be serving this today. <laughs> and we, we do rotate through the, the cheeses that they have over there. Um, one of my favorites we didn't have today was uh, the St. Malachi. We just uh, ran out of that last uh, Monday night, I guess. Um, but yeah, every every time I put a cheese order, I try to get at least something different. We almost always have the Seven Sisters on there. We usually have the Hummingbird and then the, the third cheese will always rotate. I would say the other thing I just got from this last one. Remind me of the name. Black Swallowtail. Black Swallowtail. Was that as you get closer to the wine or the outside of the cheese, I get a grassy note to it. And that's really fun as well. We might have to add cheese like to our whole fermented adventure. Although, I'll be doing more of the cheese tasting, and then we'll go from there. That's the, uh, the terroir. The terroir. No, it really is. No, but you're right. And... I can say this is the first time I think I've ever stopped, slowed down to enjoy cheese, especially the way you're presenting it, to really start to get some different flavor profiles out of cheese. So thank you for that gift. That was really nice. I don't want to be remiss. And uh, there's haggis there unless there's something or a place you want us to hold off and wait. Or do you want to build this up? Uh, build it up. Okay. This is very unique for us. Because what we've done is we've got plenty of more to drink and try, but we've kind of flipped it where we're actually eating more than we normally drink. Is that right, Dawn? I think so. I feel like this is almost an episode of Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives with a little bit of alcohol thrown in, but we've still got plenty of alcohol. Look, 
this haggis has been sitting here tempting me. So I'm I've never had haggis before. Okay. I've heard the history of haggis, but this doesn't have a bag. Nope. And re-educate me on haggis. This is like a unique Scottish dish, right? So yeah, it's a unique Scottish dish. Um, it's made out dish is made out of organs and it's it's an acquired taste. I will tell you when you're eating it, think of lamb scrapple. Okay. So that that makes people a little bit more open to what they're eating. Scottish. All right. So this is like Scottish, Scottish, Scottish meatloaf. Scottish, Scottish meatloaf. It's got almost like a, a a burger patty or a ground beef on top of this beautiful piped mashed potato and this brown gravy and these mixed greens. And I'm ready to go. Yeah, go for it. I want to make sure I get first this. I want to make sure I get the the haggis first. See, all right, I love haggis now. <laughs> I'm a big haggis guy. Wow. Look, I like liver. So I love the, there's like a gamey flavor, but there's a creamy liver texture to this, a, a, a greeny liver texture. I like that. What's wrong with people? Haggis. Here at the whip. You're going to love it. That's wonderful. I'm going to have more. I mean, seriously. There's also, um, there's also like a little bit of an oily texture to it. Sorry, do you guys want some? No. <laughs> You're off here. I don't want to. Now, what, what beer am I pairing that with? What, what do you normally do? Uh, Old Speckled Ham would have been fantastic, what we started with. I got some of that. And also Guinness. We, we have just about the best Guinness in town. So. What makes this the best Guinness in town? Uh, the way the girls pour it. Um, it's always fresh. It's always fresh. The, the kick of the Guinness does not last long here. And we had rugby on a Saturday morning. We went through an entire keg of Guinness in two and a half hours. <laughs> that tells you how fresh we can keep the beer here at the pub. <laughs> you know what's funny? I'm, this tastes different to me of, of having Guinness somewhere else. Is it the cold, the the system you have? What are you doing to this Guinness? It's, it's, it's not just the girls pouring it. You have a secret. What is it? It's a stamp keg from from Ireland. It's as fresh as they come. You know, we go through four to six barrels of Guinness every six days here. Um, our lines are as clean as they come. For anyone draft services, services them on a regular lease. That's an important part of keeping your beer fresh and clean, maintaining your equipment. And, you know, that 119.2 seconds that it sits before she finishes it off back there really does make a difference. No, for some stuff. reason, I'm, I'm getting something different out of that Guinness. Maybe a little more spicy. To it, little deeper, richer malts to it. That's really good. I feel like somebody just brewed this, threw it in, made it cold, and it's here for us to enjoy. And your the head really stood up on that for a long time. Good on you. All right, I see a burger. I see fish and chips. We've got another beer here. This is the thirtieth hour of the podcast. We're doing a marathon, <laughs> eating and drinking. This is the kind of time you can expect when you come to the whip. So I'm 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 waiting. Which way should we go, way. Chef Tim? We're going that Let's way. Let's go chef. this way. We're going that way. Like Chef was just saying, we pour one of the best Guinnesses in southeastern Pennsylvania, and absolutely, we have one of the best fish and chips. Look at this fish and chip. Look at this. I mean, the the again, you got some secret coating breading style or. There's something you're doing nobody's doing because fish and chips. The first thing I see is this. This is a wonderful outer crust to it, golden brown, and it just says "have me," right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. 
So talk to us about fish and chips. Uh, so we used haddock for our fish and chips. Which we probably, we had used cod for the first 12 years that we were open. And then right before the pandemic started, we went on a little tour to try some new fish for the fish and chips. And we fell in love with haddock. Yep. Not only with the flavor, but the way it just fills that plate completely full like you would see over in the UK. Yep. Um, and it's a house-made uh, tartar sauce. We make everything in house and we open jars for anything. Um, it's got a little, uh, it's very crunchy, it's very creamy inside, it's just a really, really good dish, and uh, the steak fries are important. Should I hit it with a little lemon, because you put them there? That's personal preference. Alright. Did I mess up anybody's personal preference that doesn't like lemon there? <laughs> Jump yeah. in there, Rich, let us know what you think. Don, well, I'm not gonna, fish and chips? I, Don loves fish and chips. Alright. <laughs> Did you hear that crunch, by the way? Mm-hmm. Now this has been sitting here... For maybe five, seven minutes, yeah. and that crunch is still there. Tim, did you come from an English pub style cooking background? Uh, no, sir. I came from a steakhouse before this, and uh, I actually prefer cooking southern food. Um, I just fell into this restaurant and been having a blast since I got here. I wish you could hear the crunch. I need to with the tartar sauce first, because I just wanted to get. The saltiness of the crunch, that's delicious. Wow. And yeah, the, the, the haddock, that haddock is a nice meaty, fleshy fish. You have to try it with the tartar sauce. Oh, no, I, I will, Brandon, you know. <laughs> I will. And the flavor of the haddock, and the cod was so mild. You, you get fish. You're tasting fish. I love that. All right, tartar sauce. I'm glad we decided to sleep here. <laughs> you are not going to be disappointed with the portion sizes, the flavor. You're going to love it here. I'm glad we're here. So thanks to Scott Wisher of Scott's Mini Woodshop, who was a guest <laughs> on the podcast for introducing us to Casey, Brandon, and Tim. Now, this fish and chips, what are we pairing this with? Is there a specific beer? Go back to the Guinness. The Guinness, the Old Speckled Hen, uh, the Pliny. Pliny. Uh, any of them. Pliny. It, Pliny. Well, we haven't had the Pliny, so talk about Pliny. So this is one of the toughest beers out there to get your hands on. Hoppy. 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 Are you a big hop head or are you not so much? Ready? Not so much. Dawn and I are tend to gravitate less towards IPAs, but um, we're always willing to go to some sort of lengths to try everything. So and is, I tried Haggis today. This is made out in California by Russian River Brewing Company. It is one of the premier IPAs made in the U.S. right now. It's an 8% double IPA. For an eight percenter, it is smooth. A little too smooth. <laughs> you know, I would say, and this is just me, I don't know if that fits with the fish and chips because so much of that hops and the bitterness really, yeah, it, it kind of cleanses out your palate, but I can see. So our party, oh, the burger, that's where you go with the oh, burger. yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm still, in, I haven't even had a chip yet. Oh, I'm glad you like that. Now, Fish and chips. Am I supposed to take a bite of the fish and then a bite of the chip and kind of keep it in my mouth? I've never understood how that all comes together. I just yeah. no one's ever asked that question, <laughs> have they, Tim? No, yeah, not we're not getting invited. Just leave it to Rich. <laughs> we're not invited back next time. <laughs> I'm just stuck. I'm, I'm I'm enjoying my meal now. What is you know? Where do you want to see? This is like I always say. This is that 
five-year college exam, you know, job interview question. Where do you see yourself in five years? Uh, here at the Whip Tap, <laughs> surrounded by good friends and uh, eating good food. Here at the Whip Tavern, surrounded by good friends and eating good food. Oh, it's too cold up here. I'm over south. Because <laughs> you love making southern food. Yes. But, I mean, there are, are there things that you still like to see and do here? Um, Casey was talking about this black pudding scotch egg that he would love to see on the menu. Did I get that right, Casey? Correct. But are there things and ideas you still have that you'd like to introduce? Or just overall experience-wise, you'd like to bring to the tavern? Well, like Tim was saying earlier, that is really one of the best parts about working here is you come up with an idea, you figure out how to put it together, and you do it. We get to make our decisions every day on what we're going to run this weekend. What's going to be our brunch feature? What beers we're going to have on for the upcoming holiday? Casey is very open to letting us make choices. And customers give us so much feedback. That lets us know which way down the road we need to wind next. Look, people are still having a great time here. They're still laughing. That's one of the things that I've heard since we got here. Laughter. Happiness. That's what a pub like this brings. It's community. And people come here because it's going to be great food. They're going to enjoy their drink. They're going to be able to watch their sports and build and keep and establish relationships. You see, that's what you've done here. It's... An experience like this, especially when you, when you introduce food and maybe a few drinks to the, the equation, it's all about building memories. And you know, as you walk around the restaurant, you hear people say something like, um, you know, I remember the last time I had this particular dish, it was in London. It was, and this just, it, this takes me right back there. Or I remember the last time I had this dish, it was with, you know, my late mother, or I was with family on a vacation, and it takes me right back. So it's all about the memories. You're making memories here. That's, um, that's a pretty tall order when you really consider that responsibility of what you're doing. It really is, and you're succeeding at it. I'm not going to let this burger go. Tim, introduce the burger. All right, so this is the farm burger. Uh, this started with uh, a local farmer came up to me and said, I'm about to butcher a cow. I don't know what I'm going to do with the meat. Would you like to buy some? I said, absolutely. It sounds like the beginning of some sort of like song. Yeah. So it was a couple weeks out, so I started coming up with ideas because there was a lot of beef that I was going to have to sell in a hurry. Um, so this was only supposed to be a limited time feature. Uh, the popularity of it has been so good that I don't see it coming off the menu anytime soon. But this isn't that same cow anymore, is it? No. Okay. No. We're well beyond that. Um, so it has a, uh, a saison sauce on top, uh, an IPA pickle that we make in-house, um, caramelized onions, and then there's a mustard on the bottom that's made with the for, for fox sake cider. Uh, we top it with some English cheddar, a lettuce tomato, and throw it on a brioche bun, and it's a mouthful. You're not <laughs> messing around here. I mean, the thought that went in to say, I don't want to just throw a pickle on there. You made an IPA pickle. Mm-hmm. You could have just made some sort of a sauce or something or, you know, another an accompaniment. But you said, let's use our cider. So one of the things about this burger, no matter what kind of style of beer you like, 
it's on the burger. <laughs> what kind of what? Any kind of beer style you like, it's on the burger. Okay. It stays on. I don't it's, see the sa- I don't see the sour on there yet. Um, I, I got like you. Sours. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it, it pairs well with any beer, um, and it's just, it's been very popular. I, wow, look at that. Picture time. <laughs> Let's not mix that. Look at look at how perfectly that was cooked. we got a very talented staff back there. All right. Juicy, mustardy. I've spilled it all over my pants. <laughs> the, the beef. Unlike anything, there's so much flavor there. It's per- it, it's cooked perfectly, tender, but then you get these pickles, the the vinegar of the pickles, the the, the zing of the pickles. I would call them fiery IPA pickles. Wow, I need. Some hoppy IPA now. I love how everybody came to my rescue with napkins. If, if you didn't, you didn't see this on the podcast, but I just had eight napkins shoved in my face. But nice to see. I, I still, you know, I'm, I'm still in one semblance of, of order. So I'm going to try this after with the IPA. That stands up great to that. That is the perfect pairing. This IPA. You had the Russian River to this. Is there anything we haven't eaten yet on the podcast that you guys want to bring? No, I'm just kidding. Actually, Rick, <laughs> no, no, no. Stop, 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 stop. We stop, still stop. have our best item. No, to try. we got to be. No, and we are not letting you leave without one. trying this. One more item for you. Okay. And people drive I hope, for miles and miles and miles. I, I hope this, this is a try. like. I hope this is a toothpick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Okay, Brandon, I was about to land the plane, and you decided to... We're, we're going to another location here. It's our last circle around, right? It's our Holy last circle hell. around. Not only that, you brought, like, two more drinks and... All right. So, remember earlier when we were talking about how we do this crazy limited release beers? This is one of them. So, this is the 2022 Goose Island Bourbon County Stout that's brewed with coffee beans. That should be my favorite. So, that's going to be a 13.5%... <laughs> Boozy stout, chocolate nodes. This is our gift. Thank you. I mean, this is whole. This whole thing's been a gift. This is wonderful. But we, like as I said, we never made it to Goose Island while we were in Chicago. And thank you. I, I, I just nosed this, and I'm in love. That is absolute deliciousness. And you have this, but there are a lot of even tap houses in the area. Beer, beer, play, people that serve a lot of beer that don't even have it. Don't get the opportunity to purchase it. So. I know. <laughs> but this is our award winner. This is our baby. This is what everyone comes to the Whip Tavern for. It is called the Haggis Sticky Toffee Pudding. Sticky Toffee Pudding. Oh my God. Oh, she's still, she's still enjoying the bourbon, the bourbon barrel coffee chocolatey stout. Chef, do you want to walk through the desserts? Alrighty. So I'll tell you a story, Rich. Hold on a second. Dawn was nice enough to give this back to me. We might have to get Dawn around. First of all, I love the viscosity of this and how this is almost like this is so biting into a brownie with a bourbon coffee glaze. There's that sweetness, but you almost get like a bourbon coffee buttercream on top of this. I've never had this before. Oh, this time. is okay. a treat. This is right. Isn't this like eating a brownie? Yeah. <laughs> this, but you still get the malty notes to it. 
you you get there's some hoppiness to this. Thirteen percent, you still don't get a lot of that forward, but it'll probably hit me in a bit, right? Just keep drinking. We'll see I'll, how I'll keep drinking. <laughs> well, let's see how the podcast goes for the rest of the day. I don't know. So our dessert is sticky toffee pudding. Has won best in Chester County for nine years in a row. It is made with uh, it's a brown sugar cake that's made with medjool dates. Top it with a warm toffee sauce. Today we're finishing it with our fresh whipped cream and our haagen vanilla. And now there's also something else here. So this is when I first started working here. They give you a bite of that on your first shift, and that's why they know you're always going to come back as long as you want to come back here. Okay. It's Thirteen years later, there's still not a better dessert than I've had. But they also teach you about pairing in your first week, where this is from Innocent Gun. Innocent Gun. It is a honey-hued oak ale. So it's going to have uh, a nice oak whiskey flavor to it that just balances with the dessert, the sweetness of the dessert. Like nothing ever. Now you need to dive in there, Rich. I'm going to try with this one first. Okay. Fermented Adventure doesn't have a home restaurant. But I think it does now as people start still bringing things to the table. This is awesome. Wow. You're driving. Right. Honey, honey, sticky. So try this by itself first. Okay. Just so you can taste how darn good it is. So that's how you keep your staff. Yeah, I can see why. Wow. I love... So you know what really surprised me about that? I, I wasn't expecting it to be as... I, I, I kind of had more of a dense thought to it as to what it would be in my head. Tim, you're shaking your head? Yeah, it's very light. Um, it's a dessert you can eat after a big meal. Um, it's not going to overfill you. Uh, the flavors are just really good. Wow. It's not overpowering. It's just... <laughs> Alright, we've got this in this in gun. Now you gotta get the combo of those two together, Rich. All right. We'll have our customers come in and they'll say, Oh, we were just in the UK and your sticky coffee's way better than anything we had over there. So it's always rewarding to hear that. I just come for that, you know? Just come for dessert. A lot of people do. Sunday brunch, you can always start with that, then dig into your eggs, find that. <laughs> Alright. I've never had this again. This innocent gun original. I was expecting it to be a little bit more honey like on the palate or honey like on the mouthfeel. It's, it's a lot thinner and even the oak, it's just a very light oak. It's a very light balance to it. And I think that part of that is still having the sugars and the the the, um, the dairy of the ice cream or the whipped cream kind of coats your tongue a little bit. So I, I would almost say let's let's try to see how this goes by itself first. Let it warm up a touch. Too. Yeah. All right, I was trying to do this before, and I'm hesitant to try this again. Is there anything we haven't talked about on the podcast that you want to talk about today? Don't forget, St. Patrick's Day is coming up, Friday, March 17th. Nothing like St. Patrick's Day weekend at the pub. Chef Tim will be he'll be whipping out his corned beef and cabbage rolls. He'll be whipping out... Wait, wait, slow down. Corned beef and cabbage... Egg rolls. Egg rolls. Yep. Okay. And they come with a whiskey mustard sauce. Uh, we'll also have... Uh, uh, Irish boil and bacon and cabbage. Um, we'll have something with cold cannon, something with champ potatoes. Um, and our car bomb cheesecake to finish it off with, yeah. which is absolutely fantastic here at the pub. We'll be running uh, specials on Guinness, Smittix, 
harp all weekend long. So if you really want to get the true aspect of what the club's like, stop out St. Patrick's weekend. Let's not lose sight of February 28th is my birthday. So specials going on all Tuesday the 28th. It's a Tuesday, have, Rich. It's Tim, a Tuesday. Guys. I know. <laughs> but, but, but this is that one Tuesday that the restaurants, the whip's now open. And uh, Tim's going to come up with something amazing. Casey and Brandon are going to come up with this great beer menu. It's going to be great. It's going to be epic. They're going to put a second floor on the whip. So we'll have, you know, that, that, that extra room for the celebration. Or for when you want to go to bed after you eat all this food. <laughs> it's now become a bed and breakfast. It really has. <laughs> Casey... And Tim and Brandon, this has been an absolute treat. This is beyond, beyond <laughs> what we expected. And thank you. Thank you for your hospitality. Thank you for this deliciousness that we've had. And uh, thanks for being a friend of Fermented Adventure. And uh, look, like I said, we don't have a home restaurant yet. But I think now that hands down, the Whip Tavern is now our home restaurant for Fermented Adventure. So much success and continued success for what you're doing, and uh, we can't wait to see you again. Thank you guys for coming out. Thank you.